Welcome to the Central Seminary Podcast. Thanks for joining us today as we discuss biblical and theological issues relating to life and ministry. This podcast is a ministry of Central Baptist Theological Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota. To learn more about Central Seminary, visit our website at www.centralseminary.edu. My name is Jared, and I'll be your host. Welcome back to another episode of the Central Seminary Podcast. Today we have two guests with us. We have Dr. Brett Williams and we have missionary Nate Wright. Uh, Why don't we take a moment and have you guys introduce yourselves. Uh, Dr. Williams, do you want to go first? Uh, Sure, yes. Uh, My name is Brett Williams. Um, I serve as the provost of Central Baptist Theological Seminary. I've been here a little under six years. It'll be six years this coming summer. Um, I'm also a graduate I graduated in 2005 with my MDiv, um, and then in 2017 with my PhD. I was in the ministry as well for about a decade in southern Minnesota. All right, Nate, why don't you share a little bit about yourself? All right, thank you. Um, Nate Wright, I'm a 2003 grad from uh, Central Seminary MDiv. Then my wife and I went uh, raising our support to go to Uganda, Africa as missionaries with BIMI. And we've been there since 2006, and God has called us there. We do, of course, church planting in northern Uganda and uh, Bible school, and we just started our Bible college just uh, two years ago. So this is uh, coming back to Central and uh, talking about these things is kind of what we're all about over in Uganda as well. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing, and thanks so much for driving to the seminary to be here this morning. Before we talk about the topic at hand, just want to ask, are there any books that either of you men are reading or waiting to read or something that's being published that uh, you can't wait for it to come out because you're just waiting to uh, open open a copy of a new book? Anything you want to share with us? I looked at that question, and I was thinking, what book am I reading? I <laughs> got uh, how sad it is sometimes. But uh, right now, uh, Jared, in my world, uh, the book that I'm reading is uh, Passionate Parenting by Carrie Schmidt. I'm, I have four, four teenagers in my house, so I'm, I'm reading a book about how to be a better dad for them. And my wife and I are reading that together. So that's the book that that's where I'm at right now. No, no <laughs> theological book or anything like that. Passionate parenting. Something tells me you could author that book. <laughs> uh, yeah, when I'm all done, maybe. <laughs> uh, yes, and I'm reading what's called the Contested Square. It's by Gregory Forrester. Um, it's, it's a book that he wrote well, six or seven years ago on Christian legal theory. Um, he gets into natural law. Um, he gets in a little bit to the philosophical foundations of Christian legal theory. So I've been enjoying that and look to finish it soon and start whatever is next on my shelf. I have somewhat of a long line, let's say, of books that I need to catch up on. <laughs> do you have a, a to-read shelf? Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> okay. I do, and it is haphazardly stacked, <laughs> let's say, right now, but I'm excited to get to some of those. But yes, I'm, I'm really enjoying what Forrester's uh, having to say. Okay, great. Well, our topic for today is uh, the broad question of why seminary, and talking about how a seminary education helps you in ministry, and I'm glad we have uh, you men with us because we kind of have some different perspectives here. Nate, you can speak to the mission field perspective, and 
uh, Brad or Dr. Williams, you can speak to from the provost uh, perspective and also from pastoral perspective, and maybe I'll have some things to share as well from that perspective. But we want to talk about that topic, and the first discussion point here is why do you think seminary education is important, and how has it helped you in your ministry? Well, uh, I've been thinking about this question uh, since I've, I've, uh, since you wrote me that email and proposed this question. Why do you think it's important? And uh, I, I, I thought of a lot of reasons of why maybe uh, some other ideas about seminary and some of the misconceptions and some of the things like that. But maybe that's for a different podcast. But uh, why is seminary important? Uh, I, I think as I think back to when I was here at Central and I think back to some classes with uh, uh, Dr. Bowder and uh, he, uh, he was saying, you know, a, a good uh, Bible college seminary education can help you to uh, not have to reinvent the wheel. Or He said it somehow like that, but it was something to the effect of uh, you, you can get the, the basic categories for your theology, you can uh, build on it later, but at least you don't have to go back to, to square zero, mm. and you can um, then um, you don't have to be the one that has to start a false religion. I think that's where he was going, <laughs> uh, because if you look at false religions, uh, a lot of the uh, the founding uh, men for those religions, uh, a good seminary education would have helped them to not have to do what they what they did. So that's a big. That that's. I still look back and think about that, and I thank God that I was able to come to Central Seminary with that foundation. I concur. I think if Arius would have been a Central Seminary student, he would have been in a better <laughs> in a better situation. I think there are several things that I'd like to mention regarding the importance of seminaries. Number one, what Nate even alluded to, it helps to lay the foundation. It's more than just a theological foundation. It's truly a ministerial foundation, right? Everything that is done well or that is worth doing needs to have a foundation. So I think seminaries, in a specific sense, are designed to lay that foundation. Um, the second aspect that I'm thinking of is, is that seminary, it, it somewhat acts as a nexus, I think, of disciplines, right? So when you shepherd a church or when you're on the mission field in Uganda, etc., um, this is multidisciplinary, correct? It's, it's not just one aspect. You need to be a jack of all trades, uh, as it were. Hence, what seminary does is it allows a nexus of necessary disciplines, or disciplines uh, say, such as public speaking, um, or public leadership, um, or even discipleship, as well as the theological and exegetical um, uh, it's disciplines that you would need. So I, I think that having that in an institution or in a program or in a curriculum as a nexus of multi-disciplines is a valuable aspect of seminary. I agree with that. Uh, the word discipline, that's a key word right there, I believe. Uh, there's many different things that we learn, but just having the discipline to to uh, break open the book and to do the research and to have to write the paper and come to the conclusion, uh, that's a vital, uh, that will help you for the rest of your life. I remember taking Dr. Uh, Milliman's uh, Greek class, and uh, he said one of the uh, values of the class is just to be able to ask the right questions of the text, right? You remember that class? Oh yes, and, very well. <laughs> and uh, so, and that's true. 
and and so it it, it puts you on on, on the next level and uh, be able to ask better questions and think better thoughts and having read the books and done the research which if left to myself uh in my ministry uh, that may have never happened unless i had gone to the seminary before Oh, it's the, the discipline aspect is is huge, and I know you were using the word discipline in a slightly different way, but well, one it, of the key. It's, in that yeah, word. certainly a double entendre in the sense of you're right. Any discipline requires simply that discipline. What I'd share is is a, a story uh, from the pastor that I had while I was at Northland, who God used to bring me to seminary and bring me uh, to Central. Um, and a whole long story there, but the short the short part is he just approached me and said, Jared, you need to go to seminary. And of course, I, I didn't want to because I, I was pursuing missions at that time. And I thought that uh, yeah, I just wanted to go right to the mission field. But at one time I was taking a preaching class and I asked him, how long does it take you to prepare sermons? Because we were having that discussion in, in class. And so I thought I'd ask my pastor. And he said, well, Jared, my... My sermon prep doesn't take as long as you might think. And the reason is because I went to seminary. Mm. And he had had an MDiv from another fine mm. uh, seminary of like faith and had eventually gotten his uh, demon from Central. But he said, I view part of my, ser- of my sermon prep as going to seminary. That's true. And we sat in the theology classes and we studied things maybe in a more depth way that you couldn't do while you're pastoring a church. And so he said there was a foundation that was laid that every sermon I come to, I come to with a framework, a grid. And when we hit deep theological stuff in a, in a text, he said, I, I've already done some study there. So I have that, that background. So for him, it was very tangibly in, I don't need to spend as much time in a sermon prep as as some people might, because I did some of my prep in seminary, and that that answer kind of clicked in my head. Mm-hmm. So, what are some misconceptions, Nate? You you mentioned this a little bit already, and I think this is a good talking point. What are some misconceptions about seminary, or reasons that people might object to seminary? And I, I wrote some down, and you men see them in front of you if you want to talk about them, or if you have your own that you've heard. Uh, maybe, I don't know if excuses is an appropriate word, but misconceptions about why I don't need to or I shouldn't go to seminary. Uh, okay, I, I've got an idea. Uh, uh, I, I think seminary is, is good and necessary, and if you can do it, then do it, by all means. I think it's just a realization of what seminary can do and what it can't. You know, I I, I want to be kind to both sides, right? Uh, it's easy to be critical. Uh, if you don't want to go to seminary, it's easy to be critical about seminary. If you're in the seminary, it's very easy to be critical about those who have not gone to seminary, and there's even an elitism that can develop. And, and that might be one of the biggest criticisms uh, is, yeah, uh, you go to you go to seminary, uh, you do get some type of a of an elitism, or uh, uh, you, you just you, you've had more training, and so there's, um, I don't want to say arrogance, but something like that, okay? Uh, and um, I remember my mission director, when I joined with BIMI, he said, it takes uh, five years to get over where you went to Bible college 
He said it takes 10 years <laughs> to get over where you went to seminary. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know what? There was some truth in that. And uh, so that might be uh, something that needs to be uh, just understood when you go to seminary. This could happen to you, too. And uh, so I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to seminary. I'm, I'm not trying to cast any stones, but these are some things that might happen. We have to understand what seminary can do and what it can't do. Probably the second thing I would just mention is uh, if, uh, you know, there's, there's understanding the Bible and understanding theology. And then there's also the, another aspect uh, in their Christian life, and that is our our, our personal relationship with Jesus, all right? So just having the understanding that going to seminary isn't necessarily going to make you closer to Jesus. You're not going to be able to get your relationship to Christ out of a book, all right? Uh, You still have to take the time. You still have to uh, spend time in his presence and be quiet and all the things that the Bible talks about. Uh, You're not going to be able to get that through more book study. All right. So it's just you have to realize that I, I talk to men out when I'm out. I've been in 32 churches, this uh, furlough uh, reporting, and uh, you have all kinds of different conversations. Uh, but uh, one of the uh, sometimes men will tell me I need to go back to school. I need to get a master's degree. Uh, there's a missionary I know right now. He's working on his master's degree. Didn't, actually, there's two of them. Uh, they, they said, uh, I should have done this back when I got out of Bible college, but I didn't. So now they're my age, they're 45, 46, and they're going back to school. One guy's going over to Maranatha, uh, but uh, online, uh, to get their master's degree. And I, I just, I have to say, why are you doing that? And uh, so I, I need more training. I need more understanding in this topic. Okay, amen. Do it. Go get it. If you think somehow that you're missing, you know, that it's going to help in your personal relationship to Jesus, so uh, you're looking in the wrong place. And I I hate to be that strong and and critical or whatever, but I think some people have that idea, oh, if only I could have read more books. Only if I had more Greek, I would under... No, Uh, that books can only take you so far. And I think I'll just be done. Thank you. I I really agree with what you're saying. I think a good seminary within its program um, has to design this anti-hubris, um, I'll call it, right? Mm-hmm. It, it has to be on a constant way showing its students how and why they're doing this. They're doing this because they are to serve one another, they're to serve the church, right? So a good seminary, I think, will go out of its way actually to try to counter that elitism that, as Nate said, is just rampant. It, it really is, not just in seminaries, but in every realm of higher academia. That's true. So in my experience, it's somewhat unique because I have one foot in academia and I have one foot in administration, and then I have another foot um, <laughs> um, in ministry. <laughs> so I, I have to... I have to dwell in all these worlds, and I, I can see that oftentimes there's this false, uh, maybe juxtaposing of ideas, right? So it's either you are a godly, um, is, or maybe pious, or have some spiritual excitement or fervor, um, or you're an academic, right? <laughs> um, that seems to be almost uniquely North American. I, I don't find that in, in many other circumstances or in many other places. But it is interesting 
because the idea we should see those two things are not exclusive at all. However, this speaks certainly to Nate's point. They're also not almost um, automatically overlapped at the same time, right? So, hence, being an academic in no way, shape, or form is an indication of your piety, of your spiritual growth. I know many very brilliant individuals who don't know God. However, simultaneously, being someone who's excited for ministry, who's excited for the Lord, who is anti-academic, uh, then I, I think shows that they have an arrogance problem themselves, right? Oh, I, I find it ironic that those who usually are the ones who criticize, let's say, higher education are those who have not hi um, had higher education. <laughs> um, as Nate said, I also find it sad, though, not ironic, but sad that those who have had higher education often criticize those who haven't. Mm -hmm. And I think they're in line um, has an issue right there because what we're doing is we're juxtaposing these two things that in Scripture and in Christian history and in Christian experience are never juxtaposed. They yeah. have to go hand in hand. And so the church at Berea, they searched Scriptures on a daily basis. It was a discipline that they had. That was an academic endeavor. In no way, shape, or form was that a dry endeavor. Some sort, let's say, lacking, say, spiritual fervor, etc. Mm. Yep. And I would just chime in with a book that we are always encouraged to read in seminary, The Religious Life of Theological Students by B.B. Warfield. Mm -hmm. And that was, Great book. as you said, Brett, that's how Central tried to balance those two things. Yeah, and if I could add something, I, I think about this a lot, and because it's part of my role as provost here, um, I'll go represent the seminary and churches and organizations, etc. Um, but I, I find it interesting that with nearly every other discipline that we know of in our society, you take law or medicine or even a trade. You know, my father was a bricklayer who later on became an electrician. Um, he had to go to trade school twice, so it's rare you find someone who will approach a physician to say, why did you go to medical school? <laughs> or a lawyer to say, why did you go to law school? Right? We don't automatically assume that the reason why a physician then became a physician and attended all those years of medical school is because they lost the love for medicine. Mm. No, we assume that they have more love for medicine. Mm. So why is it that the theological disciplines mm. and the ministerial disciplines are any different? Um, they shouldn't be. Obviously, in our society we put a great, I'll say, import on health, and we should. Just an example, I have a daughter um, who's a type 1 diabetic, and she is constantly in and out of doctor's offices. Matter of fact, we have, uh, we have a team down at Mayo in Rochester, Minnesota, that she sees on a quarterly basis. The reason why my wife and I make the drive is because we want the best, and the physicians at Mayo Clinic are the best, and she has some of the best doctors in the world. Um, I've never met anyone who would look at us and say, well, why would you want an expert in the care of your daughter? <laughs> so I counter with the question, well, wait a sec, when it comes then to the shepherding of the soul of my daughter, her mm -hmm. everlasting soul, then why wouldn't I want an expert? Why shouldn't I want someone who will care for souls at the same level? A couple common misconceptions that you might hear uh, for seminary. Seminary equals cemetery. Uh, most most men don't die in seminary. It might it might be rough. It can be rough, depending on where you're at and what you're doing. 
Yeah. And I, I would like to add, um, that's one I hear all the time. I'm sure Nate has heard that. And I would like to add that people who lose their spiritual walk, mm. um, at least in my experience, it really doesn't matter where they are or what they do. The problem is with them, not their <laughs> circumstances, <laughs> right? That's I have known a lot of men who have lost their spiritual walk in the ministry. I've known men who have lost their spiritual walk in missions. I've known men who have yeah. lost their spiritual walk in academia. So the problem isn't the circumstance. The problem is with the individual. I've heard uh, I could be out doing ministry. Why am I wasting my time in seminary? Yes, I'll, I'll speak to that one right there. Uh, and uh, I, I've heard that too. And, and here's here's the uh, thing I look back on in my life. I went to Northland with the four years, and uh, it was God who led me to do the the, the two year uh, GA Master of Arts. Then it was God who brought me to Central. I was here for another three years doing the MDiv. So all my Master of Arts credits transferred into the MDiv. Don't think I did the MDiv in three years. I didn't. I had all <laughs> the crazy credits. people do that. <laughs> All those credits rolled over, right? 32 of them. So, so I look back on all of that, and it was a total of nine years in uh, Bible college and seminary. Uh, who, who is this guy? <laughs> That's Nate Wright. No, uh, not the guy I would have thought would ever do that. I look back on that, and I thought, That's, God did that. And he had a purpose for doing that, and I took the time to prepare. You know what? Now when I'm in Uganda, and there was one of our young men, he was going to a four-year Bible college, and about year two or three, he was like, Pastor, you know, this is hard, and uh, I just can I, I just want to be done. And I just was able to share with him. <laughs> I said, you can't even say anything. Uh, you've only been doing this for three years. Wait until you've been there for nine years. Then come and talk to me, right? No, but here's what I want to seriously say. It's important to take the time. We, we don't need to be rushing things. And as I look back now that I'm 40, in my, in my mid-40s, and I am advising young men in, in Uganda, that's one of my main mantras. Uh, take the time. Don't rush. Do the things that need to be done first. Uh, there's going to be ministry when you get there, even if it's now or if it's five years from now. There'll still be ministry for you to do but take the time to prepare. And I, I've had to say that again and again because part of the ministry that God has given us over there in Uganda is with uh, young men from 18 to 25 years old. Uh, there's just millions of them. If you, if you know anything about the demographics of Uganda, you know, uh, they say what is it, 60% of the population is below the age of 18. Wow. It's just youth, youth having youth, right? Kids having kids and it's just an explosive growth, uh, one of the highest birth rates in the world. And so there's just young people everywhere and uh, not a lot of jobs and things to keep them occupied. But anyway, God has brought a lot of those, some of those young men and young women to us and able to uh, have a Bible school. And then we just started our Bible college a couple of years ago. I've been able to help some of them. Some of them have been able to even go out and start their own churches. And uh, even back in the villages, start some churches, but just to be able to say, you know, let's let's just slow down, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because you know a, a twenty-year-old just wants to rush and get get out there and do the job. And I, I admire that, that uh, being able to have the uh, look back at my own life and say, you know what, it's better just to just to wait, take the time, get prepared, 
and uh, do the things that need to be done now. I think maybe there's some misconceptions there that uh, if if I'm in seminary, I'm not doing ministry. No. And that's a really important thing to consider, uh, getting involved in a local church, having a pastor who can mentor you, and doing ministry as you're being trained. Well, that was something that I benefited from, just uh, being in a local church every Sunday and getting mm-hmm. those opportunities, mm-hmm. whether it's teaching kids or preaching in the Sunday morning service or leading singing or whatever it might be, uh, you, you, you're, you're not sitting out mm-hmm. of ministry just because you're not on the mission field when you could be any more than as pastors, our, our people are sitting out in ministry because they're not in full-time Christian service. Sometimes I think maybe we have that dichotomy that maybe necessarily shouldn't be. I think that's a good point. You know, um, I have some teenagers in my household as well, and, and they all want um, they all want to have jobs, right? Yeah. Because their friends are at that point, you know, working at the local fast food joint, etc. And, and I remind them, your job right now is school. Mm. That is. Just, um, that's what God has called you for. And I think those of us who want to train for ministry, right, we need to realize that that in itself is a ministry. Mm. However, a good seminary is also going to, as Jared, as you mentioned, is going to insist, actually, build into the program itself um, some, I'll say, regular and normative aspect of being um, um, heavily involved in the life of the church while in seminary. Mm. And I, I just got done teaching a class. It was in eschatology last night. And I closed the class by looking at the men. I believe there were eight of them and saying, I hope you get to preach this weekend. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I want men who are active in their churches, which is one of the reasons why when you become, let's say, a student at Central Seminary, whether you're training for full-time vocational ministry or you're training just to be of use in your church, whether in counseling or other things, that's something we look into. A matter of fact, you actually have a hard time getting accepted as a student unless you're involved in a local church. Good. Uh, one more that I have misconception. I'm not that smart. And I, I bring that up because that's something that I would have said when I came to seminary. Uh, not not that I'm, I'm smart, <laughs> dumb, stupid, anything like that. Um, but I, I, I'm not a brainiac. And when I started my first semester here, it was it was rough. Now, my wife and I had gotten married, went on our honeymoon, and two days later moved to Minnesota. <laughs> uh, so there was a lot of stuff going on, and I, I started slow. I think I only had two classes my first semester, but it, it was a lot. And I look back to the end of my uh, my tenure here. Uh, I did six years for my MD. Okay. Um, at the end, I mean, I was working full time and I was taking 12 credits, mainly because I wanted to get done. But uh, I wouldn't have been able to do that my first semester, but by the end I could. And I, I don't know if you get smarter is the right word, but you get better. Mm. Uh, and you might look at some of this and say, wow, how in the world can I, can I ever do this Greek and Hebrew and this technical theology stuff? But uh, your your brain learns yeah. to read fast. In fact, that was the very first thing in orientation one of our professors told us. You need to learn to read rapidly. If you mm-hmm. read 50 or 60 pages an hour, you're not going to survive in a seminary. And I thought, well, I guess I'm not going to survive. Uh, but but you learn, mm-hmm. and you get better, and you figure it out, and you, you grow. And so uh, even if you don't consider yourself uh 
an egghead, so to speak, you, you can get through seminary. Yes. Uh, and I do have, I, I do want to speak to that a little bit. And that is uh, over on the mission field, right? Uh, you know, we're, we're here in America now. We have a, we, we may not realize this, but we have a very high level of education just going through our schools, even if they're public school, right? And uh, going through that, and uh, we, we have received a very high level of education right there. That's a foundation, uh, uh, elementary, high school, that's a foundation, uh, academic foundation. And, uh, you know, we don't get that a lot with our students over there in Uganda. Uh, number one, English is none of their first language, right? They have their tribal language. Mm -hmm. When they go to school, they learn English. So it's already their second, and third, fourth. Who can speak many different languages, but uh, they're spoken. They're not academic languages. But English is the academic language, so it's their second language uh, at best. Some of them never had a chance to go to high school. Uh, and then, so, so you get a whole range of people. Mm. So uh, even with our simple Bible school program, we're... Basically, the whole church is invited to come, and we invite uh, men from the uh, village churches to come in, and uh, you, you find everybody on the academic spectrum, right? Some don't even know English at all, and uh, some have been able to go through high school. They don't want English. So uh, we can quickly determine the people that we have uh, maxed out. Mm -hmm. They're not able to handle anymore, you know. And our Bible school isn't anything, uh, it would be like a, an adult Sunday school material level. Uh, but we, we max people out. They don't have the foundation uh, to do it. Uh, but then if they had a chance to go to high school or, or maybe beyond that, you know, they can start, uh, after they finish Bible school, we'll let them go into a Bible college then. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it's different on the mission field, but if you finished high school in America, you have a pretty strong foundation. Uh, when you look at the rest of the world, and especially some of the uh, developing countries like that, so you can do, and, and as you were saying, and as you go along in seminary, you kind of get into the program, you can, you can do it. Yes, and I, I think that's a good thing, actually. I think there's an ordinate uh, fear, I'll call it. Um, that's that everyone should have... I think when approaching anything in ministry. So I am not afraid of the student who is nervous for the challenges of seminary because I can work with that student. We have all been that student. I'm afraid of the student who's overconfident and arrogant <laughs> because they are less pliable, if you understand, <laughs> right? So I think in anything we do in ministry, right, Let's say a young man is approaching a pulpit or, or a senior it's pastor for the first time. I hope he has ordinate fear of that <laughs> because that is a, that's a very sobering and massive responsibility, right? And I, I look at Nate and I think, okay, so nine years of schooling, <laughs> he then does deputation, which that would scare me especially. Then he moves his family to sub-Sahara Africa. <laughs> I look at that. And that makes me afraid. And I say, how can you do that? That's incredible. So I think anything we do in ministry um, should be approached with a level of maybe sobriety. And it, it's, that's okay to be afraid. It's okay for someone to say, well, seminary is going to stretch me. I hope it does. I'm sure the mission field has stretched you. Absolutely. I certainly know the pastoral ministry really stretched me, especially as a young man. So I would say lean into that fear. I would say embrace <laughs> yeah. the fear um, because it keeps you humble and it keeps you hungry. Mm. Yep. 
Uh, move, moving along here, and we might skip through some of our questions for the sake of time. I am curious uh, because we we're not saying seminary teaches you everything. Right? Uh, are there some things that maybe you've seen or learned in ministry that you thought, "Wow, seminary could never prepare me for this"? Um, um, how long is this program? <laughs> <laughs> no, there there is a common misconception that you know if you go through a stage, let's say with of preparation. It has to get you ready for everything. And again, other disciplines, I am not aware of that of that mindset in other disciplines. I have never met a physician, and I know several of them, who have said that everything they need to know about doctoring they learned in medical school. I've never met a lawyer who said everything they should know about jurisprudence they learned in law school. So I think seminary, as Nate said, seminary is good at some things. It's actually not good at other things. And we need to accept that and realize that it has limitations. So I think just a couple that maybe um, just come to mind are, are the idea of your spiritual walk with Christ. Now, certainly seminary should help with that. It should never hinder. However, seminary is not inherently designed for that. It's academic. It's supposed to be academic. It's very practical as well. However, that's something that one should learn through the progress of sanctification, through living life in a church. And when seminaries try, I should say, um, to maybe supplant or replace the church, they get all messed up, mm. uh, really messed up. A seminary should never be designed as a church. It serves the church. It mm. comes underneath the church. And so I, I think those two things are uh, more than apropos when it comes to realizing what seminary shouldn't be good at. I'm still trying to think about some uh, things that it did not prepare me for. There have been um, a host of things that have happened in the field that you know you, you don't expect seminary to prepare you for. Uh, probably, I just one story that comes to my mind that I wanted to say uh, maybe seminary did prepare me for uh, in real life challenges as uh, uh, there are uh, in Uganda there are several uh, cults, cults teachings and. Things that just crop up in Uganda. They're specialized to Uganda. You don't find them anywhere else in the world. I think every country has them. And, and that's one thing I tell people. I said, just uh, when, when, you, when you're looking at a religion, check out where it came from. If it came from America, you have nothing to do with it, right? Amen. <laughs> amen and amen. So, uh, but, uh, so one of our young men, uh, you know, he had gone to our Bible school. He was in our church and everything like that. He got mixed up with some guys that were teaching that uh, it was a, like a Jesus-only group. And they were saying that Jesus is the Father, Jesus is the Son, Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Modalism, yep. Modalism, yeah. It's a, it's a twist on modalism. That's, that's right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, uh, and they were using the, the Bible verse in, in Isaiah, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. That's their verse that they go to. The Bible says that Jesus is the Father. And uh, so uh, I, I, I'm totally not answering the question. This actually seminary helped me answer this question. Oh, but uh, uh, you, you run into all kinds of things out there. So I just uh, wanted to share that story with you. I was able to help him. I don't know how, how far he is, if he's still with that group or not, but he felt the need to get baptized again and, uh, in the name of Jesus only, the Trinitarian format. And so those are some things we had to discuss. With him. Yeah, and if he would have gone to seminary, I think he would have realized that that is a mis, let's say, a translation. 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 It was Ab Olam, which is the father of everlasting. 
He's not, yes, he's not the everlasting father. He's the father of the everlasting. So that, that's one of those things, again, that's just a quintessential that, you know, example of how seminary helps them to clarify. Because if someone doesn't have the Hebrew language, then they are a slave, let's say, to a specific translation. That's true. Well, thank you for answering, but now I can go back and tell them <laughs> what that passage means. I, I haven't gotten on. to that, that, that part yet. Uh, very very quickly here, uh, I do want to talk about a uh, church perspective. We might have listeners who maybe they they aren't going into ministry, or maybe they will never have opportunity to go to seminary, uh, but they, they're faithful uh, servants in their local church. Can you talk to us for a, a moment about why is it important for churches to look for a man who might be seminary trained? either as a pastor, if they're in a pastoral search, or maybe even, Nate, I don't know if you have some opinions on uh, looking for missionaries. Uh, what should we look for f- uh, regarding uh, supporting missionaries when we bring a man and his family in and we're looking to support a new missionary? Well, yeah, thank you for that. Uh, as far as missionaries, yes, you, you do want your missionary to be prepared. When a missionary goes to the field, uh, you know, he may be by himself in his city, like I am. I'm the only, what, I, what am I going to say here, fundamental Baptist missionary that's there within hundreds, you know, a hundred miles that I know of. Whenever you see, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to say these things, I hope it's all right. Whenever you see another American, all right, you are instantly drawn to that person, all right? And if they have kids, your kids' age is teenagers. If they have teenagers, uh, man, they're my new best friends, right? And then maybe later on I'll figure out, oh, we don't agree theologically on some of these things. So uh, going on the mission field has actually, for me, been a place where I've rubbed shoulders with uh, people from other churches. And uh, some of them are very conservative evangelicals. Some of them are, are not. So... If you're not settled on what you believe, and you don't know what the scriptures say, and and you have these categories and the foundation, all this stuff we've been talking about, uh, just in your interaction with these other groups, you can be led to agree with them or to to, to, to have some doubt in your mind or to shift theologically or any number of things. And uh, so I've, I've seen that. Uh, it's been good on the other side to, to rub shoulders with them. Uh, let me just tell you this. When I, I'm rubbing shoulders with uh, uh, those other guys who've also been to seminary, other missionaries, they've, they've got their MDivs too, right? Uh, I, I've never, uh, I remember one person who came to chapel 20 years ago, he's like, I've never, uh, as a central seminary grad, I've never taken a back seat theologically or been in the dark. What are these guys even talking about? No, I've always, I've, I've always been right there know exactly what they're talking about when they go deep into issues and and uh, able to to have that iron sharpening iron but at the same time not let their beliefs persuade me i got my own uh, foundation that's a little bit about what happens when a missionary you you do spend a lot more time with other groups than you ever do in america you get pretty much in our bubble here and over there you're just happy to see somebody else that speaks the same language that you speak and, uh, you know, your kids can play with their kids. So that's the reality. Good. And I think to speak to Nate's point, you know, if you can think of a Western church or the North American church as an entity, 
in my opinion, that when we send out someone like Nate, right, when we send someone to brothers and sisters around the world, don't we want to send our best? Uh, why wouldn't we want to send our best, right? Especially Uganda. So, I mean, do the souls in Uganda then deserve nothing less, right? Or I, I would say that especially missionaries, among many ministers that are available, they, they need to be, uh, I think, among the highly trained or the highest trained. I'm not just saying academically. I mean ministerially as well. So I think to answer your question, Jared, is it, it gets, I'll try to speak to it, I think, from, let's say, an ecclesiastical uh, sense or point of view. I think when a church is looking for a pastor, I think they need to realize, first of all, the importance of the position. It's not a job. It's a calling. This is a shepherd of souls. And um, as I mentioned before, when it comes to other areas in your life, you don't want to settle. You want the best, as you should. If you discover, let's say, a lump somewhere, and you go and you go and you sit in an oncologist's office and you look up at the wall, and this person has a degree from the University of Aruba Night School Online, um, you may question that, and rightly so. And I'm I'm not degrading any. It's of of the Caribbean medical schools, right? Um, however, you have the right as a patient then to say, I want someone who's highly trained and skilled. And again, I think when it comes to shepherding souls, how sober that is, how incredible that is, how everlasting the ramifications are, then don't settle. And I am not saying that the person who has the highest level of education automatically, uh, let's say, should be your choice. Not at all. I'm saying the person who shows themselves willing then to do hard things to do the disciplines and prepare. That's the kind of pastor I want because ministry is going to be hard and you need preparation. So again, I think it's a misnomer when, when we say, oh, do you want someone who's educated or uneducated? I, I don't see a bifurcation there. Mm -hmm. I think someone who is going through the life of a shepherd. If God calls you to preach, he calls you to prepare. That's what our founder, um, R.B. Clearwaters, used to say. Except I would like to add to that, humbly, if I may. He also calls you to have on, um, ongoing preparation. And because ministry never stops. Education never stops. Learning and growth never stops. As Nate is pointing out, he's growing on the mission field even after all these years. And so I think that's something that's very important that a church I think, should look at. The character of the individual. And I think going through an arduous time in seminary and having to do all those disciplines and having to read and learn and stretch oneself, I think that speaks to the character of a person. Yep. Well, thank you, men, for sharing that. Before we close, there's one question I'd like to end with and just focus on works of God. Are there any works of God that you want to praise God for in your life, or your family's life, or in the life of someone that you know? Uh, the work of God that God, the work that God's doing in my life right now, would be maybe what we would call the, uh, the the way that God can work in different seasons of our lives, and and there's a certain season that's called the wilderness season <laughs> or the waiting season, <laughs> and uh, that's one of the things that God is doing. He's uh, brought us here in America. We've had we've extended our furlough; it's extra long. We're working on some challenges, and uh, we're 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 just here. He has us waiting. I want to be back in Uganda right now. I love you guys, but I don't really want to be here. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be, but I look back and say, you know, that's the way things are working out. What's God doing? 
in my life. You know, wilderness, somebody said you can't make it shorter than a part of God's plan. And you can't make it longer. So I don't want to do that. I want to learn what God is teaching me during this waiting, and maybe you call it wilderness time right now in my life. And that's just part of the way God does. I praise the Lord for that. Yes, absolutely. Um, right now, my wife and I are in, in the stage of just busyness in life. You know, our, our children um, are teenagers in the sense, and all the basketball games and, and the choir concerts and the school activities mixed with my ministry, my academic responsibilities, my admissions responsibilities, et cetera. I should say administrative responsibilities, excuse me. Um, they kind of show that right now I'm seeing the hand of providence in the mundane. I'm, I'm seeing how God actually just holds us and gives us the strength that we need in just the mund, uh, mundane, very busy uh, doldrums of life, all those little decisions you have to make. In the past week, it, it just kind of struck me um, how God is in all of those. We mm. often look for mountaintops when mm. most of our lives are in valleys, as Nate said, the wilderness, and God is working every time through that. Amen. And I, I left something out. You know, when we go through the waiting time of the wilderness, it's a time of preparation, just as you would say, even in the mundane. He's preparing us. And God never wastes our time. There's always uh, something he's doing, building our faith, working on an area, something like that. So it's, uh, that's, what, that's what we were experiencing right now. Great. Well, thank you, men, for sharing that. And thank you for your time and for being on our podcast today. Thanks for letting me come. Sounds good. Thank you. Next time on the Central Seminary Podcast. I think it helps them uh, because you don't have to be labored to convince them of uh, you know, spiritual warfare, for example. Having that burden uh, to preach the gospel. Could you talk to us a little bit about the, the condition of the church in Zambia? Because my responsibilities at the college or the university uh, were multiplying. Then Central Africa Baptist University uh, called me up to uh, uh, take on the role of uh, Dean of Students. Or if you're talking theological issues, covenant theology and dispensationalism, reform theology. By God's grace, the church in Zambia is actually thriving. I would love to create two boxes for that. What does it look like in Zambia? I took a New Testament, um, uh, and then I took uh, a missions class as well. We recently sent a man to Sudan, Khartoum. The average tenure for a pastor in the United States is something like 18 months at a church. The results were evident. Um, the classes at Central deepened my understanding of the Bible. So a lot of discipleship is needed. Look for our next episode on the Central Seminary Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Central Seminary Podcast. Our mission at Central Seminary is to assist New Testament churches in equipping spiritual leaders for Christ-exalting biblical ministry. Since its founding in 1956, Central Seminary has sought to provide serious students of God's Word with robust theological education 
as they prepare for ministry. We have many graduates around the world who are serving in countless ways to spread the gospel and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Find out more at our website, centralseminary.edu.